Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. We are here. Welcome to Side Action, episode 88, episode 19 of season three. I'm Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on YouTube. So, Action, uh, you can see there's something that came in here. New threads. Nice. We have swag. We have swag. I don't know if you can see this, America, but <laughs> my my sister and family uh, gave me some stuff, and there's enough for everybody, at least Action and I. Maybe some giveaways <laughs> later, but these shirts turned out great, man. Yeah, it looks awesome. It really pops against the black background, and uh, yeah. it's like our name's up in bright lights on the marquee. Exactly. Exactly. We got to get some with, you know, maybe I'll put names on the back too or something. There but you go. <laughs> uh, there are a couple different sizes, XL, L, and medium. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm excited for giveaways. And these pint glasses turned out really cool. This is the official logo, of course. And uh, yeah, there's only there's only water in here, but I should put some, some vodka in here to, you know, commemorate the occasion. Yeah, maybe after dry January. I don't know if you're participating, but I'll wait till February one. I would say drier January. I, I haven't. I have gone out, and I will go out. So I'm definitely trying to lean up. I'm doing my workouts, the mace ball. I think we talked about that. So I'm feeling good, but it might be tough. 100% dry January, but I respect yeah. it. I respect it. So, Just in time for anyway. the postseason. Got to keep those minds fresh. It's tougher to pick out winners this time of the year, Wags. Well, not for us last week, though, buddy. We had a hell of a week. I mean, personally, I did well. I think overall I went 4-1 and because we could talk about that in a minute. But I did some live betting in that last game and caught one, didn't catch the other. But, you know, we, we had some good picks last week. So hopefully the people that did listen extra for Don and listen this week and get some more picks. There we go. Yeah, a very solid week. I definitely ended up in the green as well, or the black, as they say. Right. And uh, hopefully we can keep it going here into the divisional round absolutely well, let's jump into it uh first of all let's touch on the the title game in college i put that up top because it was such a, a blowout uh, alabama just took care of business and they really won this game in the first half where they when they scored 35 points in the first half or yeah. something um they winning going away 52 24 i mean obviously the running back for ohio state got hurt on the first drive Maybe that hurt their chances, but they covered that eight and a half and actually just ticked over, you know, that 74, 75, whatever number you got. They got to 76, but, you know, as it slowed down, it was getting a little bit, a little bit dicey there. Yeah. I mean, especially if you played the full game total, I think the game played out just like you and I discussed. Mm. Both teams got off to a high flying start in the first half and went way over in the first half. And then Alabama kind of. Um, lengthen their lead and they sat on it a little bit in the second half so much so that I actually fell asleep so uh, (laughs) I was glad I just stuck to that first half total that was an easy winner and uh, Alabama walked away with all the cash on the night yeah could could be I mean it's hard to say if this is the best Alabama team we've seen they they went undefeated which you know is only the second time a Saban team has done that Uh, (laughs) definitely got some revenge for for being out of the playoff last year so, you know, we'll see. They're going to lose six or seven first-rounders, but they always reload. You know, they're always awesome. So, yeah. But Ohio State, tough one, but uh, not ready not ready for this team. For this team. I think I read out um, Alabama has the number one recruiting class going into next season, so certainly going to yeah. reload. Ohio State exactly. will be there next year too, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump into that wild-card weekend recap in the NFL. I mean, there was a lot of great games. I mean, it was exciting, an exciting weekend. Let's start off with the first one, which maybe well, I don't know, it's probably the best game. We'll see. Um, you had you had the Bills; they were hosting in the Colts, your Colts, and we talked about this game. We were on the right side of it. The Colts really probably should have won the game. They were up 10-7 late in the first half. Decided to go for fourth and four after losing three yards on a run. Didn't score. Then the Bills go down and score and actually took the first half, maybe cover the first half line. 
uh, built a pretty good sized lead, but Phil Rivers, man, he acquitted himself great, you know, threw 309 yards, two touchdown passes, got him close, but they ran out of time, especially with timeouts, and there was a challenge in there. Ended up losing the game 27-24, but did get the cover, and the game just kind of went over the closing line. It was, man, Vegas set it up right. It was 51. When we were talking about last week, I think it closed about 50, so it did tick over uh, on the total. Yeah, I think the books got middled in that game a little bit. I think it even opened as high as 52, so the 51 was probably a bad landing spot for most sports books here in the U.S., but I really think that Frank Reich did not do the Colts any favors with some of the decision-making, especially in that first okay. half. Going for it there at the end of the half, while it was the right call in practice, I think it was really the third down call with the um, sweep out to the left that yeah. uh, that ended that drive, and ultimately they paid for it. They were chasing those points throughout the second half and ultimately going for two, down 14. I know a lot of people still question that mantra, but... Um, they got in the back door, so to speak, with mm-hmm. the late touchdown. They did. And obviously, it's the first win for the Bills in 25 years, uh, especially hosting in Buffalo. So, And they're going to host another game this weekend, so we'll talk about their opponent in a minute. So the next game was the Rams. You know, they, they went up to Seattle, and it was a really interesting game. You know, the Rams, we love the Rams in this game. I didn't end up doing the money line. I'm sure you did. But the Rams went up, and despite starting John Walford, who got knocked out on, like, the third play of the game, had kind of a neck injury, looked pretty bad. They bring in Jared Goff and his his cigar thumb. I don't know if you saw the replays. The guy's <laughs> thumb is, like, twice the size of, of normal. He played fine, and the defense just completely shut down Russell Wilson. They took a pick six to the house. In the end, they win the game outright 30-20. to 20. They cover the three. It does go over the total. But um, a lot of injuries for the Rams come into this next week. Yeah, that uh, going over there was probably the two calls I got wrong first half and full game mm. at the under in both of those spots. Sure. But I was mitigated by the Rams' money line, without a doubt. And Absolutely. I was pleasantly surprised with how they played, even despite losing Aaron Donald for most of the second half. They were able to hold down that Seattle offense. And uh, the Rams just have a ton of question marks going into this week with all the injuries starting to pile up. It was clear to me that the Rams decided that Wolford was the play, give or take Goff's injury status. I mean, he was clearly obviously able to play, so I wonder if that was just a coaching decision. Any thoughts there? I know. They kind of avoided it, right? They're trying to <laughs> – they tried to say, well, we're going to make a game-time decision. He, you know, after the game, they were saying, oh, um, you know, we did what's best. He wasn't quite ready, but he was suited up, and they didn't have a third quarterback. Mm-hmm. So what happens if Goff goes down, like they say, with this injury, and then the, the, they're playing an emergency quarterback, which I don't even know who that was. So interesting situation. Definitely. But they get the win. I mean, I love this defensive Aaron Donald plays even against the Packers. I just don't know if they can score enough in that game. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, next game, this was a really intriguing game. Tampa went up to Washington, the Washington football team, the, the feel-good team of the century. You know, they they started uh, t- uh, Taylor Heineke, who originally the line was was a little bit lower when we were talking about it last week when he was – announced the starter it ticked up to 10 so they were 10 point dogs at home and i actually originally i I stayed away i'm like oh no i don't know what to do this kid balled out man he played really well diving for the pylon for a touchdown even though tampa was up you know the two scores for a while there but they got in the back door too, cover the third you know lose the game 31 23 but get in the back door and this game shockingly went over. Um, yeah. This was not even a, you know, it was kind of surprising to me with that defense. Washington's D couldn't stop Tom Brady. Yeah, the Buccaneers offense did play really well. Tom Brady, 381 passing yards. And uh, surprisingly, Terrell Heineke had a great game too. I think that was my biggest takeaway from this is that the Buccaneers defense really made Heineke look like an all-star out there I know. and uh, a lot is being made of the coaching staff in Washington and why they didn't identify him sooner in the season. But I think the questions really need to be pointed at that Buccaneers defense. Yeah. And that's, that's, we'll talk about that, you know, in the matchup this week, um, if that plays a factor, but you know, good for the Tampa's line holding up against that, what I thought was an elite front four. Now, granted, 
again, this one, I didn't actually bet this game, but we kind of talked about it. I like this side quite a bit. But a little disappointing um, that they couldn't get it done. But either way, it was, a, it was an exciting game. This one was interesting. Ravens go to Balt or go to the Titans, and you know it was very it was a very different game than we saw during the regular season. This game, you know, the Ravens had you know they played this team, and it was a really high scoring affair. Neither defense could stop each other. But in this one, it was a low scoring game. This is one of the unders for the weekend. And Derrick Henry got completely shut down by that Ravens D, 40 yards rushing on 18 attempts. And they were up early. The Titans were throwing the ball early, 10-zip, but they slowly but surely, like an anaconda, kind of strangulated the Titans' offense. They didn't do anything in the second half. And Lamar Jackson goes over 100 yards rushing, looked incredible, and they win, cover, and then they, they hit the under in this one. Yeah, I think uh, Jackson really got off it, the playoff schneid Early on, when they were down 10-0, I was very worried for my bankroll and my bet on the Ravens because historically this team has not been prepared to come back from deficits like that. But credit right. to Harbaugh and the coaching staff, they really stuck to that game script. And um, in the second half, they scored on the first drive, I think, and really just started pounding them with Jackson. He broke a, a long run to go over his rushing prop, thankfully. Right. And, mm -hmm. uh, and from then on, it was just the defense that took control. So a great win for the Ravens. One situation that we should probably talk about, and we'll allude to it later in a different game, is, you know, Vrabel, who's usually a pretty, let's say, savvy coach, but he's usually not conservative. He decided to punt in a critical situation. What was that, about eight or ten minutes to go in the game? And, you know, they punt the ball down three, and then they end up giving up a big drive that basically ends their game. I mean, they they lost by, what was it, six in the end? Um, but that was a, a call that he's probably going to – I mean, he was scrutinized for it, of course. Mm -hmm. It was weird that he decided not to go for that situation. I think it was fourth and one, maybe from like the, I don't know, 42 or something like that. I know Henry wasn't getting the ball and doing much, but that really cost him. Yep, no doubt about it. The next game uh, was really not that exciting. <laughs> it was the Saints. I went over to, to Suter Rainmaker's place for the first time, and we hung out. We watched the game, and thank God the Thai food was good because this game was awful. Uh, the Saints and the Bears, the Saints hosts the Bears, and, you know, the Bears backed in the playoffs. They probably shouldn't have made it. Um, but the first half, you know, they kind of had a shot. You know, they were down 7-3, hit this reverse pass thing, looked like they are going to get it, except – Dude dropped the ball right through his mitts, and um, they really didn't get close to the end zone until the end of the game there, and were getting dominated eventually in the second half, 21-3. to But they got this late score, which was really interesting. I didn't have uh, – I didn't bet this game. I stayed away from it personally, but the closing line was like 11, right? It was minus 11, I think. It was. And a lot of the week it was 10, 10 and a half. So they're trailing 21 to, to three. This game's over. They they go on this 90. They, they did a goal line stand. The Bears goal line stand against the Saints. And, you know, Breeze didn't fully extend that ball over the line. To, you know, they reversed that call. They go 99 yards, score on the last play of the game to Jimmy Graham. Made an awesome catch, by the way. But then they didn't catch the extra point. And and Suter and I were sitting there because he was he live bet it. He was at he was at the eleven. Plus he had some other stuff going on and, and the total too. They didn't go for two. They didn't go for one. They just walk off the field shaking hands. We were like dumbfounded. But apparently, um, since the the digs catch in 2018, mm -hmm. that was the reversal of this rule where if the if the point does not matter to the outcome of the game, they do not do it. Whereas in a regular season game, they would. Uh, have kicked the extra point, and this would have gotten, you know, at least within the, the the original number of 11 for a push or something. Yeah, push, and uh, that late drive squandered a bet for me, too. I had Jimmy Graham under receiving yards prop, and yep. he basically didn't play the whole game until that last drive, and I think he had the catch right before that and then the touchdown catch, which put him over his uh, receiving yards prop by one. So it was a remote throwing moment for me as well. And then Graham just ran straight down the tunnel and into the locker room. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what Suter's bet was. That's right. He live bet it 30 and a half. Totally. Yeah, it was 30 and a half right, right, right before the Saints' final drive. So it looked like they were going in to score a touchdown. He's, he's good. 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. And then on the other side, they get it. He, yeah, boom, just ended up short with that extra, without the extra point. We were just crazy. <laughs> anyway, that was the only excitement in the game was, was suitors. Yeah, right. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> now, the last game was a game for, for the ages. I don't even, it, you know, I've, I, I, I grew up, I'm sure you probably remember it. You were younger than me, but the great, you know, comeback, the, the, Oilers were blowing out the Bills, and the Bills came back to win with Frank Reich, a quarterback. This game set up for that, whereas the opening play of the game, Steelers snapped the ball over Ben's head in the end zone, touchdown Browns. Okay, spot him seven. Then another two turnovers in the quarter, picks. They're down 28 to nothing at the quarter. I mean, it was unbelievable. And it wasn't like the, the Cleveland was just massacring them, but at the same time, I don't know what was going on. Eventually, the Steelers do come back in the second half. They get it within, what was it, 12? It was a goofy number. They were down by Mm -hmm. 25, and they got it to 12. They've got the ball, fourth and one, in plus territory. No, it wasn't plus. It was like 45-yard line. But they don't go for it. They had all the momentum in the world. And then Cleveland scores a touchdown, and then, again, kind of extends the lead. This total, 48-37 to 37 was the final score. The Browns obviously win the game, cover the, the six, and it goes sails over the total. They, they went over themselves, but what a crazy game, huh? Yeah, it really was, and I aided by three first-quarter turnovers by the Steelers. It, right. They were quickly in a 28-0 hole, and I kind of checked out after that, to be honest with you. I was casually watching but not really paying attention. And uh, I don't really know what more to say about it. You certainly have to give some credit to Stefanski and the game plan because sure. uh, they were ready to play in that game. And mm-hmm. I really wonder what the outcome would have been had there not been those early turnovers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was they I mean, surprisingly, all season, the Pittsburgh hasn't been able to score. They haven't been able to move the ball in that circumstance when they're trailing big. Ben, I mean, threw for 501 yards and, you know, four touchdowns. But unfortunately, he had the four picks, right? I mean, that just kills you. This was the game I was live betting action. So when they went down, I think it was 14 to nothing. I hit eight and a half. They were plus eight and a half then. But then they went down 21 nothing. I got it again at 12. And I thought, I'm going to win both of these at uh-huh. the end there. Um, but they just kept giving up touchdowns to the Browns. So I got one and not the other. Still, I'll take four and one for the week, but still, it was crazy, crazy game. Yeah, it sure was. <laughs> well, let's go into the divisional previews. This is going to be an awesome four games that we've got here. I'm pretty excited for it. We'll do the same kind of format as last week. We'll kind of introduce the game, and then we'll I'll look at the injuries that, unfortunately, I didn't update today. I updated on Tuesday. Uh, so let's go first. We've got the Rams going to the Packers. Uh, we, we've already you've already talked about where you're on this one, but uh, this game's at 4:35 Eastern on Saturday. It opened at seven. Uh, Green Bay minus seven, 46 point total. It's right about there. It's six and a half now. Uh, you know, 45 and a half point total. Let's review the injuries really quickly. There's several on both sides, but mostly the Rams. Aaron Donald is questionable with these ribs. I, I mean, I'm probably gonna he's probably gonna play, but he's gonna be hurt. So you know that's different. As you mentioned, Walford, it looks like he's gonna be out, but he's questionable right now. Um, Cooper Cup with the knee. That was the critical injury that I thought for this offense, uh, you know, from last weekend. But Whitworth was also limited earlier this week. And finally, uh, David Edwards, the guard, is also uh, questionable with his ankle, whereas the Packers really, they've got guys on the defensive side, which may help the Rams. Kevin King, a cornerback with his Achilles, was limited this week, but he did practice, as did Zadarius Smith. And then Simon Stepaniak has a knee, and I didn't even put his position. So probably a defensive player. He's on IR. Offensive lineman. Offensive lineman. Okay, good, good. So... I, it sounds like I know where you're going with this. So, what is your what are your thoughts on this one? You do oh, okay. Well, I, you've got it here as a as Green oh, Bay minus six down. and a half in the best bets. So I'm I'm assuming you you're want right. them still, right? I actually did update. <laughs> Sorry to jump ahead, America. <laughs> I did update the uh, sheet this week, and you forgot. Uh, maybe you didn't forget, but it's been a week or so. David Bakhtiari. Oh yeah, he's been out. Yeah. All world. I think he's the highest paid left tackle in the game. He uh, is out with a knee injury and will not return for the playoffs. Yeah, so, he's an all-pro, right? Absolutely. Certainly uh, not a helpful 
injury for the Packers passing attack. But despite that, I think the Packers are the play here for me. And it's more so to do with the other side of the ball than anything else. You know, Aaron Donald certainly looks like he's going to play, and he is a game changer on that side of the ball. And Jalen Ramsey, we talked about last week, I have every expectation that he's going to lock up Devontae Adams. Mm -hmm. The Packers have other wide receivers, MVS on the outside, and Robert Tunyon is uh sure. had a tight great end. season at tight end so i expect that the packers will be able to put up some points in this game on that side of the ball and on the flip side i just don't see how the rams are going to score um even with jared goff in the lineup playing i mean he clearly is not right i think he only had nine completions last week for barely 100 yards right and the the bigger handicap here is just jared goff playing in the wintertime i think in his professional career, he's played in two games below freezing, and he has thrown zero touchdown passes, a completion percentage of 47, and five interceptions. So this is uh, shaping up to be a very brutally cold game in Green Bay, and I'm not sure that Jared Goff is going to be ready to play. He was raised in Southern California, Wags. Was he? Yeah. He so. doesn't know where the sun sets or rises, mm-hmm. but he... <laughs> so, um... I, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that given the Rams injuries, uh, you know, normally speaking, I would definitely be on the Rams here. I think that's a big number um, in, a, in a playoff game. And, and you've got the number one defense going. Mm-hmm. The uncertainty with obviously Aaron Donald, who's, you know, just an incredible player. And then obviously missing Cooper Cup possibly or if he's going to be limited. You know, it's tough, though. I definitely like the under here. 45 and a half seems like a lot of points. I don't see the Rams matching score for score. I kind of see this game playing out where Green Bay is going to score maybe on their first drive or early in the game, probably another one in the third quarter. This game is going to be like 17 to 3. You know, and it's going to be one of these games where the the Packers don't have to do that much offensively to win this game. So I'm with you. I just don't know if I'm going to bet the game. I haven't yet. Um I certainly would, you know, originally my, my take was, oh, seven, I'll take seven with the Rams. But mm-hmm. now it's, you know, I hear what you're saying. Now at six and a half, it's more favorable to the Packers anyway. Yeah, there are a couple of sevens on my screen. So if you do like the Rams side, have to lay a little extra juice there, but certainly could do it if you're willing to pay 115 or 120. And right. the other point that I failed to make at the beginning was Matt LaFleur used to coach Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from the McVeigh coaching tree, so certainly sure. have every expectation that he'll understand Goff's tendencies a little bit better than other opponent opponent coaches might. Right. Do you think that there's any advantage that McVeigh did coach with Lafleur for the defensive aspect of it? Yeah, I do, and I I believe that these two guys and their offensive creativity are going to have some tricks up their sleeve too. Mm-hmm. We may see them go into far reaches of the playbook to have some. Uh, some interesting plays drawn up. So that does scare me off the total a little bit, just knowing that there may be some, you know, uh, scores just out of their, the play calling abilities, but I definitely like the Packers at six and a half, no doubt. All right. I'm not going to stop you. I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) Uh, So the next game at eight 15 Eastern is Baltimore's going to Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo opened up as a three-point favorite at home, 50-point total. It's two-and-a-half now, 15-and-a-half-point total. Um, you know, this one I'll review the injuries quickly. There's not as many, uh, as I said, but there are some guys. You know, DJ Fluker, his knee is still questionable. I saw that Marcus Peters, he was on, he was questionable early in the week. I'm sure he'll play. And then Matt Judon, uh, the linebacker, has an illness for Baltimore. Now, Diggs and Beasley were both limited but played well last week, so I wouldn't be too worried about that. And Tremaine Edmonds um, has a hamstring, as well as Ed Oliver. They were both limited but practiced this week. So it sounds like they're pretty healthy. I think this team is going going to be a full-strength game from what I can see. I'm going to go first this time action. I I really like Baltimore here. Um, And it's not that I – you know I love the Bills. We've been talking about it for two years I love this team. I want McVeigh to or McVeigh, um, what's the name? McDermott to do well. I, I, you know, I love Josh Allen for president. He's my guy. I just don't like the matchup here. You know, this Rams. I'm sorry, the Ravens defense is really good, and I think they're gonna. You know, their secondary is excellent, 
And so I think that's going to slow down Diggs and, and the attack. And more importantly, Buffalo's not good against the run. So, you know, obviously, if Buffalo can get some quick scores and get up, make, um, you know, make Lamar Jackson throw the football, maybe. Maybe they're going to win the game. I took the money line already, actually. I took it a little too low at plus 117. I guess it's up to 123 now. But I will definitely would, would take those points in this case. Would love a field goal, but wasn't be able to get it early enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I was kicking myself for missing out on the three also. And I, too, uh, bet the money line already on the Ravens. I think that, you know, the the Bills probably should have lost last week. And uh, the narrative is among these first, not first time. I know this is his second time in the playoffs, but these young quarterbacks playing in the playoffs don't quite have the same experience as a lot of their competitors and going up against Lamar Jackson, this will be his third season playing in the playoffs. So, and he, and he finally got that first win. And mm-hmm. I think it just comes down to that Ravens running game. They mm-hmm. have been just on an uptick lately and do- giving Dobbins the rock. Same handicap as last week. <laughs> giving Dobbins the rock and facing off against this Bills rush defense. I think they're set up to have a ton of success. And um, you touched on it too, the Ravens defense, number one in scoring defense this year. And I think that they'll be able to hold down the Bills a little bit. I do like it as a low, lower scoring game as well. Mm-hmm. So you do like it under the 50? I do, yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I just, I don't really, they already bet that? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> but I do like that too. I think that that, to me, just like, and I was, I was surprised that the Titans didn't score more. Mm-hmm. But it's it's really a matter of ball control. I mean, this is the same same situation, except it's a quarterback, not a running back. The Ravens aren't one-sided in their defense. They can stop the pass and the run. So all they got to do is get some scores, get you know, get 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 in the end zone a couple times, and they can just just squeeze that clock, just like they did against the Titans, and then make Josh Allen beat you. And yes, Diggs is a great player, but Marcus Peters, you know Jimmy Smith, they got some cornerbacks over there. It's going to be a lot tougher than he had uh, last week, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's move to Sunday. You've got Cleveland, you know the the chosen one, and, and I forgot to mention Cleveland hasn't won a game in the playoffs in forever. I, I think it was the last time they won was, was was Belichick was the coach or something like that. I mean, Probably. like in the nineties. <laughs> so, and that's obviously the the really was the Ravens now. You know what I mean? Like so. Kudos, sorry, Mikey, I missed in the beginning. They did deserve the win. I mean, they get their big win. Now they're going to go to Kansas City at 3.05 on Sunday Eastern. Kansas City opened as a 10-point favorite at home, 56-point total. It's about there, anywhere between 10 and 10.5. And now it's up to 57-point total. Um, you know, going to this game, you know, the, the handicap usually for the Browns is the running game, right? And you know you know, Cincinnati, or Kansas City is going to you know, not be able to stop the run per se, I was really concerned with that defense by Cleveland. Do you think it was a prevent defense or what was going on? They got lit up by an inferior passing attack. So what's going to happen this week? So I don't really have that many injuries. The guys did come off the COVID list. The guys I had mentioned earlier, the cornerback Denzel Ward and stuff. But Mm -hmm. I'm a little concerned they didn't come out completely healthy either. You know, they've got Conklin on the with the hamstring and there are some hamstring injuries over on the Kansas city side, but tends a lot of points, but I think Kansas City's going to win this game. That's for sure. Yeah. I have a really hard time um, convincing myself that laying 10 with Kansas city is a good idea here. I think we've touched on it throughout the last two months, but they've now not covered in eight straight games to close out the season. I think right. one game, the game against the Saints, you know, you could argue one way or another, but was really probably a push against the closing line of three. But right. they, I mean, they're not blowing their opponents away. And uh, I have every expectation that Cleveland is going to be able to score in this game as well. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly think that total of 57 now is attainable. And mm-hmm. you're not going to see me going over it. But um, I think one angle that I have looked to in this game is playing the Kansas City team total over. Last okay. I checked, it was about 33.5, and, and I think you could still get to that without having to lay too much juice. Okay. And um, that's the way I'm playing this. I would certainly have a lean towards the Browns at plus 10, though. I think they're going to have their ability to score, too. Um, I don't really see that Kansas City is going to get a ton of stops on this team. What about a, a first-half uh, Cleveland 
spread bet. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, I don't know. Kansas City last year, it's not the same team exactly, but they came out of the gates so slow last year all the time. So I don't know. I can see it either way. This year it seems like they've been going out of the gates early and then trying to, like, hold the other team off. But you know, the thing about the Browns is they, they're going to come ready to play. I mean, they're, they're not there just to make Baker Mayfield commercials. I mean, they're ready to go. Do you think that there's any chance that Cleveland comes out flat in this game, thinking to themselves, all right, we got our win, you know, we'll, we'll get him next year? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that you mentioned it when we talked about the other game, I mean, the Steelers, not just statistically, I mean, they move the ball at will on this team. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I mean, that's kind of surprising. I thought that Garrett and the guys would be a little bit better against Ben and, they got a lot of gifts. I mean, it wasn't like incredible plays by the Browns. They were ready to play, but the Steelers weren't. I don't think Kansas City's going to make that mistake. So I agree there could be a little flatness, but more importantly, I think Kansas City's not going to take them lightly like the Steelers did. Yeah, so. and that Cleveland pass defense, 25th ranked and pass DVOA. Yeah. And you also consider that two games this season, by my memory, were played there on Lake Erie with like – gale force wins so that probably buoyed these numbers even and this is probably actually a little bit better than what their reality is right right i think you're talking me you're talking me in the the chiefs now (laughs) chiefs team total (laughs) wags just get after their scoring i mean yeah yeah don't want to go over 57 but i certainly think that the chiefs will score 33 and a half yeah that sounds good sounds good all right, the last game, you know, I, I think the Baltimore-Buffalo game was going to be a great game, but this game should be one for the ages. They definitely put it in the right slot. It's the 640 uh, Eastern time on Sunday. Tampa going to New Orleans, Brady versus Breeze. You know, New Orleans is a th- opens a three-point favorite at home. I actually saw it, and I don't know when this was action. It was like it was five and a half on my screen. I don't know yeah. where that was, but I'm sad I missed it. Um, but now that in the total is 51 and a half, now it's, it's still at the three and then 52. This is a tough one action. Now, obviously New Orleans dominated them twice during the regular season, but this Tampa team is on a roll and they're besides the defense, the offense is playing really well. Not a lot of injuries to speak of, except for Alex Kappa for Tampa, which is noted he's out. I'm assuming Ronald Jones is going to play this week. Um, and then on the, the New Orleans side, I mean, they still have that Trey Hendrickson defensive end was questionable. Patrick Robinson a little dinged up and also uh, Latavius Murray. Well, this is a tough one action. I, I like I like the Bucks. I like the Bucks here. And it's not because of Tom Brady. I think it's just I think that they're going to be able to score. And I don't know if the Saints can, you know, and I like the, the game under. I did bet the under 51 and a half already. Yeah, I, I was looking at the total. I guess we'll start with the total. I, I was looking at that as well, but then I looked and saw that it actually opened at 49, which um, was interesting to me because I expected, like you, this being a divisional matchup and the third time around that the Tampa Bay and Saints defenses would probably have a leg up against their opposing offenses. But um, the move up from 49 to 51 and a half now scares me a tick. And uh, I'm going to kind of monitor the total and see how that goes throughout the week. But as far as the side goes, I agree. I I lean to Tampa Bay here. I actually played them uh, three and a half. I know those are long gone now, but uh, I still think that there's some value at three despite both of the outcomes this year. I think the second game really was the Bucks were hamstrung by the loss of the all-world guard Ali Marpet, uh, who was like the anchor in that offensive line. So right. I think that the the margin in that game, the Saints won by 35 points in Tampa yeah. Bay, for those of you who don't recall. I think you can kind of throw that one out, and I believe that it's going to be played a lot closer to their first matchup, which, right. again, was still 11-point margin, but Tampa Bay played them a lot closer in the first time. Right. Yeah, it's just – I mean, the Saints obviously didn't have to work too hard last week against the Bears, mm-hmm. especially on defense. Um the key matchup is the defensive line to me for the Saints against the offensive line of Tampa, yeah. and they looked so good last week against the, against Washington. I know they're different schemes and different approaches, but yeah, that scared me with the Saints. And and they really haven't. They did have a couple games in the later in the year where they were running the ball, but this Tampa 
team doesn't really allow the run, so it's going to go on Breeze. It's going to be Breeze throwing, and it's going to be Brady throwing. And to be honest with you, I think Brady's not just a goat. He He's a better thrower of the football right now, and they got good weapons. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I'd like to be wrong. I, I had the Saints winning this game originally when I wrote up my article last week. But in seeing the two teams play, I think Tampa's going to do it. We'll see. Wait, you'd like to be wrong? So you, in your heart you want the Saints to win? Yes. Okay. Fair. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I look, Tampa, it's not even the Tampa thing. I think that it's more Brady. Obviously, it's not like I'm anti-Brady, but Breeze has got one Super Bowl. Let's get him one chance. They, they missed the, the last three years. They've gotten, you know, somewhat sure. screwed, somewhat bad situations. This is the year I thought they could break through. They weren't. I don't have them winning the Super Bowl. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they can go up to Green Bay to win. But either way, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Betting with yeah. Betting with your mind. It's better to go with the Bucks. Yeah, I I guess I just I am not sure how that Saints offense is going to fare against Tampa mm-hmm. defense because the performance last week against Washington really kind of gave me a little pause. I mean, yeah. they're highly rated in DVOA, number sure. one against the rush, like you mentioned, and number five against the pass. But my eyes and my memory don't really tell me that's the real Tampa defense. Well, did you see though? And I'm not saying you're wrong, but Heineke, and, and not to give him crown the guy, you want to crown him, crown him, but this guy, he was trapped in the pocket numerous mm-hmm. times. And then he's like, like a little jitter, out. getting yeah. out of there for 20-yard gains or making throws. Breeze can't do that. Yeah. So it, no it's, it, was, it was one of these things like if they actually got him down or they – I mean, he made some incredible plays to extend drives and in third down that nobody can do. I mean, maybe – Taysom Hill can do, but he can't throw the football. So I'm just saying, like, it's really the, – the Saints are going to have to run the ball to win this game, and I don't think yeah. they're going to be able to do it. Um, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, fascinating. And uh, Brees has never had to face Tom Brady in the postseason either. So I know. And, and Brady has now, has now beaten 17 teams. I don't know if you saw this stat. He's beaten 17 different teams in the NFL in the playoffs. Wow. The next quarterback – has 16 wins in the playoffs, and that's Joe Montana. So that's just insane. I mean, so the Saints could be next. Let's review our best bets for this week. Uh, we both like Baltimore plus the two and a half, and I guess we both like the money line. Uh, we both took that. We both like Tampa plus three. I personally like the under in this game, the Tampa New Orleans game at 51 and a half, and actions all over Green Bay at minus six and a half. And the team total for the Chiefs at 33 and a half over. Um, oh, looks like he's putting on here. He's adding to my outline. He's adding my outline. Uh, <laughs> the Green Bay under 45 and a half as well. And I, I agree with that because of the Rams. So yep. that's six best bets this week. Let's win some money action. Yeah, I like our card. I do too. All right. Well, let's pause all this football talk and let's talk about our other love, man. We, we've got the... You know, March Madness is almost here. It's two months away. We've got college hoops to start looking at. I know you've been betting. I haven't looked at anything until this week. So some pretty exciting stuff in college basketball. I'm going to let you kick it off since I don't know anything. Tell me about what's going on in college hoops. Well, I don't know if you heard, Wags, but there's a pandemic going on right now. And uh, What? <laughs> that, that has little effect on the college hoops season. Uh, there's at least one team, the the Boston University Terriers. I don't know their nicknames, but their uh, university yeah. has mandated that all athletic performers while on campus, and that goes for their opponents, have to wear face coverings during competition. So, oh wow! Sure, if you've seen any highlights from the Boston games, but it's pretty wild yeah, to I... see that on TV, a five-on-five basketball game with face coverings. Awesome. So. Well, I do I do know that the Ivy League isn't playing this year, so That's we're correct. we're not going to get the Quakers or you know whoever the Tigers from Princeton or something in there, uh, the Crimson I guess right from Harvard. So you know there'll be some changes. Yeah. So no edges identified yet from the Ivy League or the Boston program, but I have <laughs> noticed as you can imagine there's very little to no fans in a lot of these games and. Right. Throughout me tracking the games that have occurred so far, I believe that home court advantage in many cases is pretty much wiped away. 
I'm seeing a lot of road teams that are covering numbers that you probably wouldn't normally see. And you're seeing some depressed numbers too for mm-hmm. home teams that might normally be in an underdog spot. They probably aren't um, given as much advantage to that home court. So that's mm-hmm. certainly something, at least in my handicapping, I've been gravitating more towards those home, I'm sorry, those road favorites, whereas in years past, I might not uh, be so quick to jump at them. Interesting. And uh, another major factor, just similar to the NFL and other pro sports we've seen through the pandemic, is that there's a weekly and sometimes daily schedule disruptions. You're seeing games that are being postponed and outright canceled on a pretty regular basis, as well as shuffling of the deck, too. I believe last weekend it was um, Wright State or... or, uh, um, one of the teams in the in the local Midwest mid majors where they didn't know their opponent for Saturday afternoon until late on Friday. I think it was Loyola <laughs> on Friday night. Actually, they walked out of practice and then found out an hour later that they were playing a different opponent on Saturday. So, a lot of uh, shuffling the deck, which you can help identify some edges if you can understand those scheduling spots. Mm. And then the last one I want to touch on is those same mid major conferences. A lot of them are playing. And what is called a back-to-back format. So yeah, I saw that. one one team will travel to a conference opponent and they'll stay there for a Friday, Saturday tilt and play them twice in a row in the same gym. Mm. And I've been following these very closely because I have seen a very good trend emerge where you see a lot of these um, opponents who might lose against the spread or even outright on the first night will turn around and whip their opponent on the second night because the coaches are making adjustments. So That's cool. a little bit of a zigzag theory there, which you've seen in the NBA playoffs as well. Nice. Well, I, yeah, I saw that. At least the Mountain West is doing that with Colorado State. I've seen other guys do it, and it's got to be confounding. And I, I kind of, we were talking about it, but you know, usually you have kind of benchmark games where you're going to play a game, a team at a certain point in the season. You might get crushed. And then two weeks later or a month later, two months later, you play them again. You can kind of measure up the, the growth of a team. That's going to eliminate that in certain spots, especially for the elite programs, even within these smaller conferences. So it'll be interesting come the tournament, the conference tournaments, if they do them conventionally, that mm-hmm. you're not going to know as much as you think. I mean, maybe it'll help you in your zigzag now, but come the conference tournament, they haven't played them in three months or two months. You know, it's going to be tough. So it'll be interesting. So what about the teams to watch? Now, I, I obviously everybody in America knows the Zags are awesome, but they are, I guess, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they are historically awesome. Um, by far and away, the number one team here, and I think mm-hmm. Ken Palm would agree with mm-hmm. my personal rankings, and this offense is just on another level this season. Um scoring 123 points per 100 possessions. I I don't recall where that ranks historically speaking in the last 20 years, but it's got to be up there in terms of offensive efficiency. Right. And then you've got guys like Baylor I've heard a lot about, uh, Iowa. Well, we know that because I go to the four shadows. They mm-hmm. score a ton of points but don't play any D. Uh, you've got Michigan. You've got a lot of a lot of Big 10 teams here. Illinois, uh, you got Houston up there, which you know that's it's nice to see Kelvin Sampson just cranking them out down there. Um, what game? What teams so far this season have you been really excited to to kind of track in terms of your betting so far? I think Texas is one team that jumps out at me that has been a very big surprise. Um, I was initially surprised that. Uh, coach has hair this year. I saw that. Shaka <laughs> Smart. Not he's, he decided to go away from the bald look. He went COVID and helped his team. Yeah, I mean Shaka Smart. Who knew he could grow hair this year? He showed up and it, the team just totally flipped the script. And they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. Uh, despite they, a big loss at home. Yeah, yeah, they got beat last night at Texas Tech. But despite the loss, I think Texas has been a very big surprise in my mind going into this season so far. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Well, great. Well, normally what we do in this format for new listeners or people that have forgot well, because we stopped talking so abruptly last year in March, uh, we normally with college basketball go over, you know, kind of some metrics. Action has his own index that he can share with us in future weeks. And then we try to identify spots, um, whether it's a zigzag situation like Action's saying, or maybe we just like certain teams and how they're playing. I do my own review of the Ken Palm rankings and kind of do my best 
I'm not as good at, you know, my, my predictions aren't as good as in football, not that they were that great this year. So I picked out some games actually that we can talk about. I'm not sure a lot of times the other with our listeners is that unlike the NFL, these lines come out usually the day before. (laughs) So you, we're going to be talking about games that are a little further in advance. And so we have to do like an imputed line that, um, action does on his own with his his algorithm so it's kind of a guest line and usually when we see that line if we see something higher or lower depending on which side we want to be then we know to jump on it that's kind of how we talk about it so yeah is that accurate yeah and actually um this season i propose that we just move with the ken pond projections okay. i historically i've noticed a lot of these odds makers are getting lazy and are just putting up numbers that ken pom does so right right you'll see oftentimes it's super close to the ken pom line Totally. Okay, well, let's talk the uh, first one. This is an actual line. Uh, this is from tomorrow. The Big Ten does play a lot of games on Friday, so we'll talk about the, you know, action loves the Friday night action. We know that. We didn't talk a lot during the college football season, but, uh, you know, he likes the Friday night action. We've got Wisconsin, who's going to Rutgers. Uh, that's tomorrow. And, you know, Wisconsin's a, one of these road favorites that you're talking about. is a short road favorite at minus two. Um, let's talk to me. What's going on? You, you really like, uh, you like Wisconsin here? I do. Yeah. Um, which is kind of out of character for me. I usually <laughs> like to throw shade on the Badgers and I, I love Rutgers actually. So, um, a little bit out of character, but yeah. both of these teams are coming off pitiful performances against the spread at, um, Wisconsin lost by 23 at Michigan earlier that's, this week. That's a beat down. And, Rutgers is coming off their own beatdown against Ohio State of all teams at home by 11 last weekend. So both of them are going to be looking to get right. And I'm interested in playing the Badgers here. I've already bet them at minus two. And my numbers show them as a five point edge in a neutral in this game. And okay. uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm kind of throwing out any home court advantage this season. And I really think that uh, the Badgers front line has been impressive this year. You got Micah Potter, who's been playing well despite his little dust-ups with the coaches, and I think that he's going to be able to bang on the inside with some of the Rutgers bigs and uh, really hold his own on the glass. And um, you know, the Rucker or the Wisconsin defense is as good as ever. They're eighth-ranked in defensive efficiency, and right. they've got some sharpshooters on the outside as well. So I'm looking at playing Wisconsin to get the road win in this one. Nice. Well, first of all, it's nice to see Rutgers doing better. You know, they, mm-hmm. they were picking on them, especially in football the last couple of years, but they, they've they improved in both both arenas. Um, I do see them in at least my numbers, the top 40 in Ken Palm, so it's nice. But you did mention, if you mentioned this, that Ron Harper Jr., uh, you know, former Bull, he looks like he's got some injuries, so that's probably one of the parts of your handicap, right? He's He's been a really good player for them. Yeah, Ron Harper is probably one of their leaders, and he's been playing the last couple of games, but certainly not the same player that he was pre-injury. And I think there's another player, another one of their guards as well, that's coming back from an injury. So they quite have, haven't quite got back up to their um, non-conference season form yet. Right, I gotcha. Okay, well, good. Um, and and I will say to our listeners. Uh, we do tend to talk a lot about the Big Ten. We are in Big Ten country quite a bit, but we will talk about other 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 conferences. But right now, I'm going back to the Big Ten. So on Saturday, we've got the uh, Illinois is playing Ohio State. Illinois is a five point favorite, at least our imputed total or imputed uh, spread. And I just really like this team. I like to, you know, I, I always I grew up an Illinois fan, you know, back way back in the day, the fighting, you know, fighting Illini, flying Illini, and they were so good and. Um, it's good to see them back. You know, they've got a, a really good coach in Underwood, Brad Underwood, who was like, you know, he worked his way up from Stephen F. F. Austin, and now he's got a squad. You know, Kofi Coburn's a beast in the middle. Love that team. I just think that Illinois is going to out-physical this team. You know, I don't know about this five points, but I just like this team, and I'd like to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, both teams are fair pretty good against the spread ohio state eight and five on the season against the number and illinois a very good nine and four in their own right and they've both been good in big 10 play too mm-hmm. um surprisingly though because i didn't really have that high of expectations for this ohio state buckeye team but they have been playing really well lately two yeah. straight wins and covers i mentioned the one on the road at Rutgers, and then they just beat northwestern yesterday and um, 
EJ Liddell, I think, is one of their big-time players. He had a 20-point game the other night. But I, I think I'm with you in this one. I have been laying the points a lot with the Illini this season, and they're coming off of a really demoralizing loss at home on uh, Sunday to Maryland. So I have every expectation that Illinois will look to bounce back in this one and kind of put a stamp on the, the Buckeyes. Yeah, yeah, good. We're on the same side. Might be my first college college hoops bet this year. Uh, <laughs> I was liking this this Pac-10 matchup here action. So Colorado, who's I guess pretty good this year, uh, they're they're going to host Stanford on Saturday. They're is looking like a five point favorite at home. Um, I I put the bus a really good uh, basketball team, and you know they've struggled a little bit in conference play, but they're really good. They're a balanced team, whereas the Cardinal is just all defense. I mean, they're an incredible defense, seventh rated in, in the country. But I think the Buffs can can get it done and and definitely squeeze on you know Stanford on the on the defensive end as well. So I think I'd lay the five points. Yeah, they um, this one is in Boulder, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I think it's in Boulder. That's right. Not, like, not that home court matters to me in my yeah, handicapping, right. but altitude, uh, altitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's probably some. Uh, some degree of of um, points there, but sure. I, you know the Stanford team has been impressive to me. I watched them play in the Maui Classic in Asheville this season, <laughs> and uh, I guess Maui, and <laughs> they impressed me against North Carolina. And uh, my numbers have this one as closer to a three point edge mm. for the Buffaloes. So if I had to play this one, it would probably be with Stanford at that number. They okay. do play really good defense. I know you mentioned it, but they only allow 90 points per 100 possession, which is good for seventh ranked. And uh, they also um, are really good defending against three, uh, field goal percentage on the flip side. So I would probably lean to Stanford, but I don't fault you for playing the home Buffaloes. Sure. Okay, well, this this team might have beat me to the punch here. Uh, Texas Tech uh, will be hosting Baylor this weekend on Saturday. Baylor's this really great team. Everybody's talking them up. I I love Chris Beard. We love Chris Beard. Chris Beard won action so much money a couple years ago in the Final Four when they made that run. And we're projecting this as a they're going to be a home dog, probably four-point dog at home. I just love the way this team plays. They're scrappy. They're not probably as talented as Baylor. But they, they play great defense, and this team peaks at the right time because Chris Beard is an incredible coach. Now, they won last night at Texas. They, they, were, they came back from like a 12-point you know, deficit kind of late in that half. So maybe it's a little bit too, you know, everybody knows they're going to be, be like this. But I'd still like Texas Tech if they're hosting Baylor to kind of pull the upset in this one. What do you think? Yeah, this is one that I probably can't join you with, and I'm <laughs> going to be looking to play the flip side here. This okay. Baylor team is phenomenal. They kind of have flown under the radar under the, in the last week or two just because I think they had a, a little bit of a COVID pause mm. there and, and didn't quite hit the schedule as much as some of the other Big 12 teams. And uh, despite that, they are just kicking butt and taking names this season. Mm. I'm, looking here at their game log i mean the last they've won every game by double digits this season the right. lowest being 11 which they beat iowa state by and uh they just dusted off texas christian by 18 and oklahoma by 15 the game before mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and my numbers actually have baylor as nine points better than texas tech if you can wow believe so i can't believe it but yeah i know I see what i've been saying. laying points with baylor all season and i probably will here especially if the number's four yeah okay good to know good to know i will look myself probably won't bet now so you're talking me off that one that's good <laughs> so here we go this is the flip side i again i i'm trying to fade baylor here and and i'm tell you why because i know that they're really good but traditionally they they struggle against these teams so kansas mm-hmm. is going to baylor on monday night a big Monday classic. Kansas is projected as an eight-point road dog here. Uh, you know, you know, I hate Bill Self, but um, but in this case, I mean, you know, they got to go through Kansas to win this title. I like this spot at least to keep it close. Um, but I guess you're going to talk me off and say Baylor's the best, huh? Yeah, probably. I mean, this one is projected to be a little bit higher though, eight points according mm-hmm. to Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, let me switch up the teams here real quick and i really just have baylor as again a nine point favorite 
facing off against the Jayhawks. Mm -hmm. So not quite as big of an edge for me. I typically don't play edges in the one-point range. Right. Look to go a little bit higher than that. But um, just looking at the schedule here, it looks like Kansas has Iowa State on Saturday, which is down this year tremendously from what their normal levels are. And just knowing that Baylor has a big game Saturday against Texas Tech, I think that you might be able to catch them in a good letdown spot here coming off of the big game versus Texas Tech, where Kansas can probably coast a little bit on Saturday and look ahead to Baylor a little bit. So I could see this being a play for me when we get there. Okay. Okay. The last one we don't have a spread for, but uh, UCLA is going to Oregon. I love the, the Pac-12, even though everybody hates the Pac-12. I love those guys in basketball. Uh, but I like UCLA in this game. Going to Oregon, Oregon traditionally is the power in the Pac-12, you know, ever since Arizona's. And they're okay. They, they've kind of tailed off. But, you know, this UCLA team, unlike most Cronin teams, is they can score. You know, they can score the ball, which is, I don't know what he's doing. He's usually like Mr. Ground and Pound guy. Oregon's a really good basketball team, definitely. But I don't know. I kind of like UCLA to, to come up on this one. We don't have a spread right now, but... I would back them if I'm assuming they're going to be a dog. So, you know, maybe it's going to be seven or eight points. I'm not sure. Yeah, this one actually, talk about schedule adjustments. Ken Palm didn't even have a game for <laughs> UCLA at Oregon. So right. I'm not really sure how that came about. But well, Oregon, I think, I think Oregon's game on Saturday is postponed or something. Okay. So maybe they have COVID issues. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think you're right. I did see that there was another game postponed. So, which likely led to this one being uh, thrown together pretty quickly. But the one thing that I, I too, like UCLA and have been impressed with the way they're playing this season, but um, the one thing that gives me a little pause is they just recently lost their star player, Chris Smith, uh, on January 2nd. I guess it was 12 days ago now, but he tore his ACL and he's out for the season. So, he was their number one scorer, and I haven't honestly watch them since the injury so i'm not sure who's really filling that void but um i do think that ucla is worth a look in this one depending on what the spread is i've sure. got oregon as three points better on a neutral so okay close matchup oh. gotcha gotcha well that kind of wraps up this segment of college basketball we'll have a little bit more as the weeks go on as kind of you know football kind of shrinks down and just less games so we'll have more content for college basketball for your you hoop guys out there and then come the tournament obviously that's all we'll be talking about uh, so it's an exciting time of the year we are hopefully going to do a trip we'll talk off air about that we're hopefully going to do a trip for march madness which anybody can join us uh, we're going to have a good time try to hit circus you know, stadium swim and everything and I'll have my T-shirt on, action. Have my T-shirt. Maybe I'll have a T-shirt for other people who'd want to show up. So Yeah. Any of the listeners want to join us, Circus Swim. Be there <laughs> or right. be square. That's right. Be there, be square. So, But, uh, okay, well, we got we got some good picks for the divisional round. We'll, we'll check that out, see if we can stay hot. And, uh, and hopefully this weekend will be some more, more great games. Yeah, I can't wait for these. The divisional weekend is always, in my opinion, one of the best sports weekends of the year. And uh, we have great four great matchups again this year, so I can't wait for it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, we'll, we'll follow me at Wegspool, uh, Wegspool at um, Instagram and Twitter. <laughs> follow the Side Action Podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Have a great evening. Enjoy the weekend. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given 
The opinions and advice given on the Side Action Podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. Licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.